Welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking all about the draft combine. They just wrapped things up on five on five play yesterday. There still are some pro days, but I'm going to be going through kind of what we saw this week. Some of the stars, both on measurables and scrimmage play, and if any of them really fit what the Oklahoma City Thunder would need. And to top it all off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Guys, I've been talking about the top three basically since we saw the envelopes unveiled. On Tuesday, you had the really big draw to get you to number two, Got that pot out the way. Yesterday, I kind of compared Chet, Jabari, and Paulo and how they would gel with the core and SGA and Josh Giddy. This time, though, I kind of want to move back to the gems you can find in this draft process. Sure, OKC's picks are all pretty high, all things considered. They are the only team with two lottery picks at 2-12, and 12. and even in their back end of selections, Pick 30 and pick 34, those are two very high quality positions to be in right now. So they don't have that like pick you buy at pick 52 or whatever the case may be. However, I think they're still just going to chase whoever they like. You know, they'll find gyms anywhere on this board. You look at players coming from the 50s, these last two drafts. Aaron Wiggins was picked 55 for the Thunder last year. Charles Bassey was picked 52 for the 76ers, and Paul Reed almost went undrafted two seasons ago. He went 58. Both Bassey and Reed are doing very good things for Philadelphia, so you can find talent anywhere, and even assessing the undrafted pool. Don't get me started. OKC has created just a hotbed of undrafted prospects. Right now, they got guys like Lindy Waters, who they just brought on, and years prior, they got Moses Brown after his two-way expired in Portland. Lou Dort got his two-way deal. So even if you don't have those back-end draft picks, you still want to look one through 60 and really one through 100 to try to find yourself players that could fill in those two-way spots or play in the G League. I mentioned it yesterday, but Alex Caruso mentioned how the environment in Oklahoma City was so beneficial to his success because in the blue camp, they let him know kind of what he needed to do to make it to the next level. You're not supposed to be this superstar 30-point-per-game scorer if you're not out there making smart passes. You're going in there, in the NBA at least, to be a role player. You're not the guy who's supposed to have 30 points per game. You're supposed to have, you know, three or four going on eight minutes or something, maybe as a corner sitter. You got to make the good reads defensively and also as a teammate. And that's what you're looking for. And some of these draft combine guys. So on Monday and Tuesday, we had the NBA G League Elite Camp. 44 different members uh, were congregated in Chicago for those two. There were four games in total, two a pop for all these prospects. And they ended up dishing out seven invites to NBA gigs. And years prior, it's only been four, I believe. Wiggins was one of four. And then that inaugural season, it was also four. So it was nice to see a lot of people uh, getting extra jumps to the next level. I'll be talking about one of those guys later in this pod because he dominated at the NBA Combine as well. But that's a real platform too, where 
I think people don't even know about it. Like this wasn't on ESPN. You had to watch it on YouTube and there were probably about a thousand people watching these games. There was not a ton of coverage. And even during these games, you saw interviews where they didn't show the game like half the time. And that's no shade at them. Like I understand why, because you want to talk to different people around the league, but also let us watch some of the game too. Anyways, though, you get through all of that and you're able to see a lot of successful stories, just like Wiggins, who was in the elite camp last year. You got guys like Jose Alvarado, who were attendees, and you got others such as Kenny Lofton, who I'll be talking about in a little bit here. Um, So you get into Wednesday, just saw the ping pong balls revealed. All the attention goes to picks one, two, and three, basically. But you have the measurables and you have the scrimmages that took place Wednesday throughout the day. One thing that's interesting and it makes sense why, like if I'm an agent or I'm in the prospects position and I'm projected to go top 10, there's no way I should really be playing in these scrimmage games because none of the top level candidates are. Even guys like Chet, Paulo, and Jabari, they didn't even clock measurables. They did not want that stuff out there. They're going to leave that to the team-by-team assessments because if you go out there playing these scrimmages, you get hurt or you look terrible, I think for them, it's probably not as high of a stake. Like They've already asserted themselves as top three, top five guys, Uh, but for like a mid-first-round pick or a dude on on the cusp of a first-round pick, maybe that scares them off, and for me personally, I don't have that like set-in-stone big board yet. But I've seen some from some very reputable people that going into the scrimmage games, like only 20 players that they had on their uh, top 60 for their two round mock was actually participating. So basically everybody's dodging these scrimmages because of, you know, potential fallout or kind of plunging down that draft board. And they'd rather just stick to playing team by team because hell if I play terrible against the Chicago Bulls and then I pull up to the MSG and play great for the Knicks the Knicks are gonna love me the Bulls are gonna hate me if I go to the combine and I stink it up for two games the Knicks they might not like me either and they might think I'm inconsistent this or that that's kind of the thought process that goes into this because there is a bit of a risk factor attached but in going to these games you have the ability to turn some heads and get down on some teams' radars. And that's exactly what these three prospects did. I'm going to be talking about them in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back 
up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Continuing on this though, and actually, you know what? We'll take a pause because last episode, I um right after I did my my talk for the offer over at the great DraftKings Sportsbook, I was talking about Davis Bertans. Um, he he got fouled, I guess, or it was a no call on his three. He made it. He tries standing up when Damian Lee's jumping over him, and there was that whole entire like scuffle. I thought the Mavs had that game in the bag, up 19 points. I mean, they just squandered it away. Damn, dude. I mean, the group they have in Golden State. Jordan Poole was just going crazy. Steph is Steph. Clay is Clay. But how about the utilization of Kevon Looney last night? Career high in points. Gets a double-double. One of the main reasons they won the game. This is why... You start seeing so many guys like Kavon playing at the five. He's not like a seven foot tall, flat footed center by any means. This is someone who, if need be, can space the floor out a little bit for you. But when you have elite shooters like Steph, like Jordan, like Clay, they're able to put you in those positions to where you can just set screen after screen. Eventually, a guy like Bertans, like Kleba, is going to help out a little bit too much. And you're able to turn someone like Looney, who's kind of been viewed as a role player, his entire career almost, into one of the biggest parts of the series. So that was a major game for the Warriors. They're going up 2-0, headed into Dallas, and you have this game involving the Heat and Celtics going on tonight. Both of those should be very great. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, if you think you know who's winning or you got some category to place a bet on, go ahead and do it on there. But going into the NBA Combine and just what happened this week, Briefly touched up on the elite camp. You saw seven names get advanced to the next stage. And then they got put on the main platform. About 80 different combine invitees. Now, in terms of the rosters for the scrimmages, it was about 40. Like, maybe even less than what you saw in the elite camp. Because, unlike the guys in the G League camp, some of the people in the combine really had nothing to play for. They kind of showed up for the lottery might have had some interviews throughout the week, but they didn't participate much. So you had some other guys fill in who could be those fringe second round picks, maybe late second rounders trying to improve their stock. And there were three that I were really impressed with. The first one is DeQuavion Smith out of North Carolina State. Going into the combine, there was kind of this like fix needed almost. You look at Last year's combine, the biggest star from that one, and it's really not close, was Nishan Bones Highland. He played one game. However, when he was on the court, he was a star. Nobody could guard him. You look at the tape from BCU, he was dropping about 19 a game, just launching three ball after three ball. There were lots of eyes on him, and he was kind of already seen as that steal pick right in front of you. Like, I don't think scouts were taken aback by his performance at all but he was about a mid-second round pick going into 
the combine last year. Steps on the floor, starts drilling threes, step backs, starts knifing in the lane, creating passes out of nothing. Became a first round pick and he's done a hell of a job for the Nuggets. I think in general, the way Bones plays is the new wave of guard play right now. Like Bones is a three-point scorer. He has a really good handle, but you got to look at his step back and just his on-ball creation. You want to have the people who can play one-on-one and make you pay without screens. I think Trey Mann's another perfect example. And for teams looking to kind of get on that wavelength, some of the other teams have started. Smith is someone who can help put you kind of on the current trend right now with guards. He averaged 16.3 points 4.1 boards and 2.1 assists for the Wolfpack this year. Shot about eight triples a game. So that's how you know he's really like Highland. And he shot about 37% on those. Steps into the scrimmages. Already have people like Mike Schmitz talking about how he's the next Highland. This is the steal that everybody's waiting to see. And he lived up to the expectations. Played one game, dropped 17 points and six rebounds. It was good enough for him that he didn't even need to play again because it wasn't just that moment where he popped off in the scrimmage. Right before that, he shot 18 of 25 from downtown. He led the event in that uh, by the time he got through the uh, event there. So people already had him on the radar. Shows that he's uh, able to stretch the floor for you. And then he just walks away kind of as a consensus late first round pick now. So that was huge for him. Right now, ESPN has him 34th on their big board. I don't know how much he actually skies up, to be quite honest with you, because just like last year, the combine saw some risers. But on big boards, national ones, I'd say, you'd probably see him go up maybe 8 to 10 slots. So I'd say he might slide into the 25th position on ESPN come next week. As for myself, I haven't really gotten through all the kinks of my big board just yet, but this is a clear-cut kind of first-round evaluation, I would say, just based on how the league is going. If he doesn't immediately make an impact, I think he'll probably make an impact, to be honest. Maybe pop him in the G League for a little bit, get him on that microwave trend, and try moving him back up to the NBA ranks because you'll find him as that microwave scorer, I think initially coming off your second unit. Another guy who was really hyped up going into this week was Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. And I'll preface this by this. Smith, he was given a lot of, you know, positive reports, right? Jalen Williams had so many though. I'd say it was more than anybody we saw playing these scrimmage games. He had a home run hit in terms of his measurables. He had a seven foot two wingspan. He's six four and a half, but that like crazy difference. That's a whole god. That's like eight inches basically that his wingspan has on his you know actual body. You don't find that too often. And when I was trying to compare prospects, like Melvin Frazier Jr. surprisingly was the closest to him in that element, but he was also super athletic. He had a thirty nine inch max vertical. At Santa Clara, he looked really good attacking the basket, dropped 18 points per game. So he went from maybe that darling, like Bones Highland, I guess, last year, to reports of him being a 
lottery pick in some people's eyes before he even went to play in scrimmages. And he was the only one, I would say, who even had lottery consideration uh, through this process who who was actually playing in the games because everybody was dodging it. He goes in, has a really productive first game, drops 11 points, 5 of 8 shooting, and he has this beautiful slip to the basket. He's hanging at the right wing. Ball handler is kind of at that right corner. Season opening, nobody's covering. He just knifes inside, gets a bounce pass, skies up. I think it was on Drew Timmy. He threw it down on right-handed posterizer dunk, throws it down, keeps his arm or his hand, I guess, latched to the rim for a little bit for a nice little deploy off of off the bounce. But it was a really good good dunk for him, and he had multiple dunks. First game, coupled with what he did in shooting drills, what he did in measurables, he didn't need to play a second game. And Brett, who also does work for SI, he had a post on Twitter, like hyping him up. And I, I messaged him. I'm like, Hey, do you think he's going to play? He told me that he didn't think he had to, it'd be great to. And then Jalen Williams replied and was like, yeah, I'm playing. And this was probably four hours after Thursday's contest. So he didn't care that all this, you know, noise was coming his way. He wanted to stay focused. And it's a double-edged sword when you do that right now, because Everything was just up on his stock. If he has a crappy game in game number two, I think that hype train might die a little bit. But he had an even better day two. And I think there's an argument he had the best performance out of anybody. Now, Andrew Nimhart, that's a tough one to compete with. He dropped like 27 points and 11 assists in his one game. But with Williams, I think for someone who played the full course, he might have done the best job. Gets 19 points on 7 of 8 shooting, 2 of 2 from downtown. He wasn't someone hogging the basketball. Like, I'll use Smith as an example. I don't really know if he's a good one, but he shot 17 times to get his 17 points on Thursday. Smith, in total, shot 16 times, finished with 30 points. That is the efficiency teams want to see. And because he was playing kind of in his role, he wasn't trying to, you know, play above... I think what the expectation is, people are going to be impressed and they're going to be impressed with how he went about his time in Chicago. So I think now he's a mid first round evaluation. We'll see what teams are kind of about his game because it's a very nice one um, because he can play the two or the three. Very good defensively, good playmaker now, and he's definitely can shoot the ball. That was probably the biggest riser though, in terms of where the stock is going to lead to took a major chance, basically being the only late first rounder to go into this uh, camp and play the scrimmage games. And now he's a lottery considered prospect. That's what the benefit can give you here. And for others that might've been mocked, maybe 25 through 30, they might be feeling some repercussions off of not showing up to this event. Kenny Lofton Jr. is the last person I want to talk about here though. And he's the only guy that... Out of my like breakout candidates, played in both the G League camp and in the NBA Combine. Kenny Lofton has kind of a following. Like even during the collegiate season, everyone knew who Lofton was. He averaged 16 and a half points and 10 and a half boards for Louisiana Tech this year, 19 years old. 
And he's basically playing bully ball. He's 6'5", 280 pounds. Just going right at you. Amazing footwork around the basket. I'd say 4'280". He's pretty good in terms of speed. And that's kind of what you have with them. You didn't see a lot of shooting from downtown with him at Louisiana Tech. But at the line, he was able to get there a decent number. Like he could get you up in the air around the basket pick up a foul and make it pay, maybe splitting the free throws or whatnot. But yeah, he, he's like a tantalizing collegiate guy. And he has blue chip recruits or teams throwing offers at him if he does return to college because he's in the transfer portal. But based on this week, I could see him trying to exhaust this process even further. They have until the end of the month. So I think he'll juice it out. He'll make his decision basically on the 30th here. But he walked in as someone not even ranked on ESPN's big board. I think he's going to be on their top 100 now after this. But he goes into the elite camp. And he was, I think, their best guy. Averaged 13 points and 7.5 rebounds in those two games. Both of them, he was voted the player to speak to after the game. Um, I, I don't know if it was because like he was the clear-cut number one. I'd say he was number one or number two in both games he played, though. But he was really efficient from the floor. And then he moves on to the NBA Combine, plays in the game, gets 13 points again, three rebounds, and three steals. One of them, he got in the passing lane, took it to the other side of the court, like in transition, reverse layup. Might have had a couple extra steps to get that layup up and in, but it went in. There was no whistle. Got himself 13 points. Got himself a post-game interview yet again, and he didn't play in the fourth game. He was still on the sidelines, though, and I think he was kind of hyping him up. I think he made a pretty seismic shift. Now, the one thing with Lofton, which kind of sucks, is... I think that even with all these stats, like if you look at a freshman dropping 16 and 10, they should have NBA radars written all over him. But because he's 280 pounds, he has like 15% body fat, people are looking at that and kind of saying, well, is he going to stand up against these NBA level bigs? Because those bigs are going to be pretty built up there. And you know, they might be able to space the floor out. Could that be an issue for Lofton? And could his game translate when he really didn't shoot much at Louisiana Tech? He shot during this camp and he did pretty good, but if he can't shoot, he might not be able to make that jump right now. So he proved that he had a decent looking shot in terms of efficiency he was still there. I think he becomes a guy that all 30 teams should want to at least work out because He's not kind of that traditional big we've started to see where they're spacing the floor out. They're basically small forwards playing at the four and they're 230, 240 pounds. Lofton is more back to basket and he's 6'5". So the way I view it, I think you work him out. I think you try to see the potential in him and he might be a, a two-way guy. For me, I think you throw him in throw him in exhibit 10 if he doesn't get drafted and you want to bring him into the G League and at least see what is there because he's only 19 years old and I think at the G League level he'd actually be a monster like from the get-go so that's kind of where I have him I don't know if he's the draft like in draft range 
but all it takes is one team to give you a chance and everything he's shown this last year tells you that he's pretty good at playing basketball just needs to find kind of the outlet going into maybe a training camp moving forward some other guys i want to talk about josh minot out of uh, memphis 6'9", pretty gangly, like, I don't think he's over 200 pounds, but for him, he looked really good in terms of just hustling, good rebounding during his games, I think the final game he had in his um, stint, and I'll say this, the last day, everyone was dropping like 10 points apiece, so take that as you will, but with Minot, he played 20 minutes in the last game, 6 points, 3 rebounds, had a steal and two block shots. So he was pretty active on the defensive front. Was he the one dropping 20 points? Absolutely not. But the effort was most definitely there. And with the frame that he possesses, there's a bit of potential. Now, he's not much of a three-point shooter, but I think he's a decent attacker. Might be a late second-round pick for me right now. Potential Um, with his size of course is why he's so alluring even though he wasn't the guy popping out on the stat sheets of course another player who i would say didn't have crazy numbers but i was still very um, impressed with was keon ellis out of alabama and i might have talked about him actually a couple times on this podcast i know i have on si He's like a late second round pick and the Thunder already worked him out or he's a he's an early second round pick, excuse me. Didn't shoot particularly well, but he played well in his role again, just like I'd say with Jalen Williams. You're not the one trying to shoot 20 times and not kick it out to your teammates. He finished his final game with four assists and he also had four steals to go along with it. I want to get a defender if I'm looking to fill out my rotation at the wing spots. OKC is already so loaded. I don't know if Ellis necessarily makes sense. However, I do think that this is somebody that could be a solid bench contributor for you moving forward. Decent three-point shooter at Alabama, kind of a low-maintenance guy. I think that's why he would start getting some appeal uh, currently where he is at. Another player I want to discuss is Ryan Rollins out of Toledo. Only played in one game because looked like he impressed the scouts enough in the first one had a really nice chase down block pretty good in attacking the basket 19 years old i believe he's six foot four kind of see him as like uh, a jason preston almost from last year where preston he came out from one of the mid-majors wasn't expected to go in the 30s i think ryan's might be uh roland's might be able to creep up into that area just based on like everything that we've heard about him as a prospect there are multiple other guys who did well drew timmy he had a pretty close to 20 piece andrew nimhart like i said might have had the performance of the week however i wanted to highlight the guys that were out there uh, and really impressed me on day one and i think you know might help out the thunder maybe when they're evaluating some prospects i want to tap into some of the other elements we saw outside of the scrimmages and that would be with the measurables measurables typically aren't going to make or break a prospect it should only be a positive um because like let's say you're six seven on the espn database and you end up being six eight that's a big plus if you're six six well they look at your tape and they say 
He's playing like he's 6'7 the whole year, you know? If we like him, we like him. If he's 6'6, who cares? The ones that matter, like vertical leap, for example, and maybe something like wingspan. You go into this event, and I think the biggest loser would be Patrick Baldwin Jr. Out of Milwaukee, playing for his dad in college. Projected to be a lottery pick last year, by the way. I think that was consensus like I heard Patrick Baldwin's name for three years he was not good was not very efficient showed a couple flashes and he needed to have a big time in the combine he had his pro day today where he looked pretty good goes in though and records a 26 and a half inch vertical leap wow at a small forward spot that is pretty atrocious and i looked in history that's the fourth worst vertical leap we've seen at the combine and it is the worst or i guess the only thunder player who's done worse was dakari johnson back in 2015 and i think we all know this dakari johnson's not the same type of player as patrick baldwin patrick baldwin is nowhere near the top of the guys on this board i was looking at prospects that had comparable numbers to him Jeff Withy out of Kansas had the most comparable stats from the combine. That includes measurables. That also includes drills. That's wild. The one plus for him is that he's looked good on tape. Very good ball handler. And when he's feeling it, he's really feeling it. And he averaged, um, or he went in there and he was 6'9 in some change. And he also had a 7'1 wingspan. So he has a very lucrative frame for being a ball handler. I still think he's a first-round talent. It's just, you look at that leap, it is a bit of a head-scratcher, I guess you could say. Kind of came out even though, because he didn't participate in any events. This one's not really measurement-based here, but another guy kind of in that same breed would be Leonard Miller. Out of Canada, came out of prep school. Looked like he could have dodged the G League Ignite team or college entirely. They might need to assess that again now. He looked very raw in these two scrimmage games this week. Did not really chase after many loose balls. Like I think he was just playing super passive. And the comp I give Miller time and time again is actually Darius Baisley because when Baisley's assertive and he's looking to pick his spots, sometimes you'll see him be successful. But when he's being passive, you're not going to see much contribution. And we got two games of that didn't really have uh, much of a better effort on friday compared to thursday thursday he was just out of his element friday i'd say he was solid but it didn't you know negate what happened earlier in the process so i had him as someone who i thought would shoot into the first round now i really don't know and i don't know if he's sticking around in this draft class Might be someone available for picks 30 and 34 for the Thunder. And if they see potential in him, that's where you could take a shot. I will say, though, the stock did not improve with Leonard Miller. Someone who did was Mark Williams. He came in, he was seven foot two, nine and a half, or nine foot nine inch standing reach, excuse me. This dude can basically touch the rim. And he's able to get a shot down, I think. That's where you start to get a lot of focus onto him as a prospect. Another center that I really thought made a, a good impact was Christian Coloco out of Arizona. He is 21 years old, so he is a bit on the older side. However, 
He's considered a late first-round pick, defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. 6'11", 221, with a 7'5 wingspan. Averaged about three blocks per game for the Wildcats. Shot 18 of 25 from three in his shooting drill. Coloco was not a shooter at Arizona. They didn't let him shoot the three too often. At the foul line, he was consistent, and that tends to be one of the points you kind of evaluate. If he's good at the line, that should translate over to the next level. But because we don't really even have anything to base off of from downtown, that could be a bit of a pickle, and scouts will most definitely be focusing on his three-point shot in his evaluations. Because if he can shoot... He's already shown he's a very good defender. That's when he could be someone who rises up uh, on a team's draft boards. I don't think he's somebody that you'll see many analysts go all in on. But for teams looking to take risks and looking to fill out the center spot, Coloco is somebody you need to keep your name on. And for the Thunder, let's say they don't get a center in the first round or until pick 30. Then Coloco's on the board. I could definitely see them going for Coloco. And I could see him going probably in the 20s, maybe even the late teens, depending on how he's able to perform over this next month or so. There's going to be a lot of talk on these draft prospects. I don't want to make it all about the top three. I know there's a lot of content there, and I definitely want to rig that out and give you guys my best effort on evaluating them. But this is a 60-person draft. This is really an 100-prospect draft because the people that fall out, go undrafted, can make careers for themselves. They can go into the G League, create their own avenues, and work their way back up. There's so many stories that can come out of those who go undrafted. So I want to assess really the entire board by the end of, uh, the end of this month here. If there's any players like in particular you want me to talk about or specific elements of prospects that you want me to tap into please let me know on my twitter that's at ben Kreider, or you can hit up the thundersticks pod twitter that is at thunderstick pod other than that though guys that is going to do it for today's episode i thank you all for listening and i will talk to you all next time see ya <laughs>